0: Hello and welcome to this week's edition of SBC This Week, a roundup of news and views from around the Southern Baptist Convention. SBC This Week is hosted by Amy Whitfield and Jonathan Howe.
1: Hey Jonathan, how's it going?
0: It's been a rough week, Amy. Gotta admit. Yeah. Not gonna wallpaper over the the obvious. It's it's been a rough week.
1: Yeah, it really has. You know, as as we were just talking right before we started recording this, in amount of news, it's been a light news week, not a ton of stories. But it's a heavy news week. Yeah,
0: and the gravity of news—it's been uh, kind of a huge one. So, right. You know, we're we're coming up on uh, Good Friday this week and Easter and uh, Resurrection Sunday, so uh, we do have something to celebrate this week, Amy. Uh, Let's not forget that.
1: Yeah, and a good reminder of sort of why we uh, why we are where we are, why we are doing what we're doing, um, and a reminder of the sovereignty of God and a victory over overall so that's that's really important going into this weekend uh, to see that but um, it's not it's not been an easy week for many in the southern baptist convention
0: that is true uh, before we jump into the news we do want to once again thank our sponsor located in Louisville, Kentucky, the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary is committed to training future pastors, missionaries and gospel leaders. You can learn more about graduate, undergraduate and doctoral degree programs by visiting sbts.edu. Amy, the Southern Baptist world was kind of rocked on Tuesday with the announcement that Frank Page had resigned over what uh, was described in a Baptist press article as a, quote, personal failing.
1: It was an odd day, uh, to, to say the least, and just a kind of a tough one. It started with just a really sort of shocking news drop of a retirement um, that seemed to just kind of come out of nowhere. I think everyone was trying to process that quickly, not really knowing much about time frame, anything like that. And then uh, before the day was out, the news had changed. Um, and I think it as it ended, we were all just kind of reeling.
0: Yes, uh, a 300-word statement from Executive Committee Chairman Stephen Rummage read as follows, Last evening, the officers of the Southern Baptist Convention Executive Committee met via phone conference with Dr. Frank Page, during which he announced his plans for retirement. Today, I spoke with Dr. Page and learned that his retirement Announcement was precipitated by a morally inappropriate relationship in the recent past. This news will, we understand, bring great sorrow. I have shared with the executive committee officers what Dr. Page shared with me, including Dr. Page's repentance and deep regret that his actions have caused pain for others. My heart is broken for Dr. Page, his family, and everyone affected. I believe I speak for the entire executive committee in saying that we are committed to provide them the spiritual and emotional support they need in the coming days. We also recognize the stewardship we owe Southern Baptists and the watching world to communicate with truth and candor and to honor the Lord in our actions and decisions. I call upon all Southern Baptists to pray for everyone involved in a situation like this, and especially for Dr. and Mrs. Page. Please pray for the Southern Baptist Convention and all that is entrusted to the Executive Committee. As officers, we are committed to provide leadership that the Southern Baptist Convention will recognize and trust. To those ends, in keeping with our Executive Committee bylaws, we will be working on a plan to provide for interim transition In the wake of Dr. Page's immediate departure and also conduct a search for the next president and CEO of the SBC executive committee. I'm personally counting on the prayers of Southern Baptists, as I know all who serve on our SBC executive committee.
1: Obviously, just the challenge of this for everyone to kind of deal with the shock. But also, you know, for the last 12 years since he was elected president of the Southern Baptist Convention in 2006, Uh, Very little has happened in the Southern Baptist Convention that Frank Page was not connected with uh, and involved with. So this is going to be uh, a very large shift in dynamics. Um, You and I both, through different uh, opportunities or different, you know, uh, situations have worked with him, around him. He's been a part of much that has happened for over the last decade. This is uh, definitely just a, a massive, massive week. Um, I think the big uh, question, you know, first it was just very much about praying for the situation and uh, we continue to do so and we will uh, deal with this story as it is news in the SBC. Uh, But now the question is what next?
0: Yeah. And that was uh, kind of the, the thing you and I started looking at. And a lot of times we hear, okay, this leader of this entity resigns or, you know, state convention and then the president or the chairman of the board. They nominate a search team or they appoint a search team and then right. they go out and they find the person. That's kind of the yes. standard you know, process there. But the executive committee is a little bit different. They changed their bylaws about six years ago, uh, five and a half years ago, back in June of 2012, uh, to reflect right. the following. The presidential search committee consists of six officers and the chairperson of the board who uh, will remain as an ex-officio member with the right to vote. So it's a seven-member team, Amy, but the committee is not appointed by the chairman. The committee is elected by written ballot from nominees offered from the floor of a executive committee meeting. So the, the yes. executive committee has to come together. They will nominate those uh, from the executive committee that they think are, are good to serve. And maybe right. that name is 30 people. Maybe that name is 95 people, uh, you know, the entire yeah. committee. Maybe everybody's nominated. Yeah, and then they what, can
1: just make nominations yeah, from the floor. So
0: Anybody. And then what they do is they pass out ballots, written ballots. You have basically six votes to cast uh for individual people. Uh you can't right. cast six for like Amy or whatever. You know, you, you, right. have to cast you six. can only you, you can have one for yeah. Amy, one for Jonathan, and so on and so forth. So you right. Can't stack you can cast
1: votes. a right. You can cast a vote for up to six, up to as six. many as six nominees, but may cast only one yeah. vote for any one nominee.
0: Yes. And then they take those ballots, they count those ballots. And the six people with the highest number of votes are your committee. That's and, right, and and the chairman of the board. And what makes this interesting, Amy, is that Dr. Rummage has called for a special meeting on Tuesday, April the seventeenth, here in Nashville of the executive committee. He has to give at least ten days' notice, uh, which he's doing. I mean, that's like 18, 19 days away uh, from whenever it was sent. So he's he's called the the meeting, but Dr. Rummage, as a second term chairperson would be on that committee initially, but right. his chairmanship currently is scheduled to end in June. So he would be yes. off that committee and replaced by the new chairman in June. Right. So there's, I know there's kind of some legal wrangling there. They're trying to figure out to see if the rules can be suspended. That has happened in the past. Um, if they determine that the bylaw limiting that term to two uh, should be, you know, suspended And give him a third term as chairman of the board. Uh, For continuity's sake, it's possible that Mm -hmm. could happen. not sure what will happen uh, with that. But uh, that's a little wrinkle in there that uh, you don't really expect uh, a lot of times. And, uh, you know, obviously did not plan for. Uh, But then also there's the discussion of an interim. And most of the time, you know, the board can name anyone as an interim. But the executive committee's bylaws address this as well. Because yes. it designates that only a vice president can act as an interim or president pro tem, uh, as determined by the officers of the board. So right. your pool of interim is basically what uh five guys? Is that five
1: right? there are five vice five presidents? Five vice presidents? Yes.
0: Yeah. So Augie Bodo, Ashley Clayton, Bill Towns, Ken Weathersby, and Sing Oldham. Yes. So those five guys, that's basically the pool you can draw from for a interim president if you so choose to have an interim president so yes a lot of legal you know bylaw stuff going on here in the wake of it so you know that, that's right. kind of right up our, our alley huh
1: yeah very interesting another thing that's really interesting as well um is the way once the once the search committee begins to do its work then the way that the uh that the the non that nomination is made um is very interesting also so in that uh, executive committee bylaw six five two, is that when prepared to do so, the committee shall offer to the board of trustees. So the committee offers to the whole group in a meeting held in executive session. So that, that means, means closed, closed door. Yeah, yep. can't sit no in on that in one. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's Absolutely, still it's not. still un,
0: it's still undetermined whether the the nomination meeting will be closed. You know, uh, executive session meeting. So I'm not sure I'm, you know, it's going to be here in Nashville. I will try to be there if it's not. So
1: when they have uh, someone to present, they present one nominee. So the search committee would present one nominee for the office of president to the entire group in executive session. Following that report, they would have the opportunity to hear um, and to ask questions of the nominee to discuss the nomination and they would vote by ballot. Um, And then, uh, then if the nominee receives a majority of the votes of the trustees present, they are elected the new president. If they do not. So it's basically an up or down vote. If they don't, then a new search committee gets selected and it starts over again. Yes. So this is a process that is very, um, it's multi-layered. And um, it it seems like there's a lot of checks and balances here, you know, to just take somebody through all the way to the end. And then if that, you know, if that doesn't go, then we start over and we start over from scratch with a completely new committee. So um, this is going to be very interesting to watch. You know, this is a a time where, um, you know, Stephen Rummage, who has really been um, a leader for the last few years, you know, he was the chair of the resolutions committee. A couple of years ago, um, when we had uh, the resolution on the Confederate flag, which is a really important, um, important time and and a lot, a lot of things going on there. He led the committee through that. Um, Then has been the chairman of the executive committee for the last uh, couple of years. And now he's going to lead at least through the beginning of this process. So this is a, a very important time. So as we pray for so many involved, we need to be praying for him.
0: Yes. Yeah. Bell Shoals Baptist in Florida. Boy, y'all got a good one. Because uh, Dr. Rummage, has, he has lived well. And uh, and he's been tasked yes. with quite a bit in his uh, his service just in his first four, really four years as a, as a trustee at the executive committee. Um, he has done a phenomenal job. We are proud to have him as uh, one of our leaders in our convention. All these um, trustee bylaws and everything from the executive committee, if you're interested in that, we have a post up. We'll link to that uh, for the process of finding uh, someone But uh, you can check that out at
1: sbcthisweek.com. Right. And one last thing, one reason they have to give such notice that we're, you know, that we have to wait. They can't just do it like this coming week is they have to have a quorum. They have to have at least 45 people there to validate anything that they do. So they've got to give everyone adequate time to reply, to make plans. And so uh, April 17th is, you know, a very important day.
0: It will be. So be in prayer for that. And uh, we'll update you as we uh, find out more. So uh, follow us on Twitter, and that's where we put our kind of breaking updates there. So uh, at SBC this week on Twitter. All right, Amy, uh, on to some positive news from the SBC. We named a committee on resolutions this week, and wow, is that a diverse committee. That is a fantastic committee led by good friend of the pod, Jason Deusing.
1: Yes. Who we um, had already reached out. We're going to have a conversation with him about resolutions. Just We, we had reached out just based on his experience on this committee. And then now uh, we find out he is the new chairman this yeah. year. So well, I think that's
0: Dr. He Gaines said. heard that we were going to talk to him about that. And he's like, you know what? This would be kind of cool. Let's make him the chairman. And that'll help Jonathan and Amy.
1: I'm sure that is exactly how it went down. Yeah, not at John. all.
0: Yeah. All right. Yeah. But anyway, congratulations, Dr. Ducey. All right, Amy, tell us about the rest of the committee.
1: If you remember, so the the reason we're hearing about this now is is that, you know, SBC bylaw 20 says that uh, the resolutions committee should be named 75 days prior to the start of the annual meeting. So this is always kind of the first committee that we hear about. And then um, some other sort of details that become really important is you have to have at least two members that served the previous year. And at least three members who are also members of the executive committee. And those can overlap and, and often do. And this year they um, they do. Like there can be someone who served the previous year who's also on the executive committee. Um, but here's who we have. So we have Ken Alford, who is the pastor of Crossroads Baptist Church in Valdosta, Georgia. Um, he served on the resolutions committee last year, and he is a member of the executive committee. So he meets both yeah. of those requirements. He checks two boxes. Do you remember the little piece of trivia that we had about him last year?
0: Um, I, I don't. I, I know that he was a pastor at Bell Shoals way back in the day. Is that the trivia part? Um.
1: Um, no, it was that he had a connection to, I believe, I'm trying to remember if it was uh, that he had baptized. Uh, we'll have to find the story. There was a connection to um, the million-dollar man, Ted oh. D. D. Okay,
0: See. all right.
1: Um, they're very good friends. And uh, Ted DiBiase apparently, I think, is kind of in in ministry now. Um, yeah, and travel speaks and connection. does those kind of things, yeah. Yeah, has a real connection to Ken Alford. So that's the thing. What was funny is when I saw that, I said to Keith, I said, he's the one that has the connection with the wrestler, but it took me a while to remember which one it was. Yeah, um,
0: That's kind of on. a random shot there because, you know, the wrestler could be, A lot of people, by the way, I'm hearing good things about the Andre the Giant documentary, but that's, that's a different story, different, different podcast.
1: That, that was a really fascinating side. um, SBC
0: wrestling this week, uh, our other podcast.
1: Anyway, moving back, uh, Byron Day, who is pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Laurel, Maryland. He's also currently the president of the National African American Fellowship uh, in the SBC. Um, Candy Finch, who is assistant professor of theology in women's studies at Southwestern Seminary, Willie McLaurin, who is from Tennessee, special assistant to the executive director at the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board, Chris Metcalf, pastor of, all right, I don't know if I'm going to say this right, Lee Hugh Baptist Church in Hawaii. Um, so um, he has obviously a very lovely, uh, location where he is. Jason, I don't know if I'm going to say this one right either. Pa- parodies. I'd do with par- par- Paritas. Paritas. Okay. Jason Paritas, lead pastor of Fielder Church in Arlington, Texas. Um, Adrian Robinson, senior pastor of Hillcrest Baptist Church in Country Club Hills, Illinois. Alicia Wong, associate professor of women's ministry at Gateway Seminary. Um she just graduated from Southeastern uh oh. their EDB uh, about a year ago something like that. Um really really That's cool. great level. tia. Um and uh Curtis Woods who is associate executive director for convention relations at the Kentucky Baptist Convention.
0: And a good friend of the Woodfields.
1: Oh yeah, we are big big fans of Curtis Woods. He's yeah. great. Um and so when this you know when this all sort of breaks down this is an incredibly uh, diverse committee on every front, uh, geographically diverse, small churches, large churches, um, male, female, ethnically diverse, just kind of everywhere around, which becomes very important when you're thinking about the resolutions committee, because it brings perspectives uh, just from across the spectrum.
0: It does. It does. So, uh, we, all right, Amy, real quick, tell us about uh, resolutions and when people have to get those in by
1: So proposed resolutions can be submitted as early as April 15th but no later than 15 days before the SBC annual meeting which would 29th, be I believe
0: May 30th ish
1: Yeah, I think it's probably May 28th
0: Okay. Have it in by May 25th people.
1: Yeah, do that. Make it you know, it's kind of like you should have it's your a false you should try deadline. Have your taxes you know, yeah, a soft deadline taxes done by april 12th you know just so that you you got that buffer 25th is a is a good target to lay out there for yourself but i think it i think it should be around the 28th um so that's when that that's sort of your window um proposed they they may not be submitted during the annual meeting um, if you miss the deadline, it's, it's too late. Now too late. the committee, the committee members can bring resolutions to their deliberations. That's part of their, um, prerogative being part of the committee, but resolutions cannot be submitted to them after that date, uh, because they've got to be able to consider everything and, and deliberate it gives them a two week period to think about those. The resolutions have to be accompanied by a letter from a church qualified to send a messenger certifying that the individual submitting the resolution is a member in good standing. And uh, they preferably should be submitted by email or mailed to to the Committee on Resolutions in care of the Executive Committee. They have to be typewritten, titled, dated, include complete contact information. um, And then no person will be allowed to submit more than three resolutions per year if a properly this becomes important because this has been an issue in the last several years if a properly submitted resolution is not forwarded by the committee on resolutions to the sbc annual meeting a two-thirds vote of messengers would be required to bring the proposed resolution to the convention floor so we've had that happen um a, a couple of times where either someone brought a resolution in this way that happened back in 2011 or uh, it has been attempted to bring a resolution to get a, t- a two-thirds vote. That only happens if the resolution is submitted and then is declined by the committee. So you, you can't just show up with a resolution and then try to, you know, get that two-thirds vote um, just sort of on your on your own. You have to submit it to the committee. So um, we, the our conversation with Dr. Dusing is going to, Uh, be really sort of technical in nature, just kind of learning how the process goes, um, how people can can find out more about, you know, uh, what to do, what the purpose of resolutions are. We'll sort of get into that. And we always need to remember this is an important part of the meeting because we get sort of focused on some of the internal discussions. But most of the time what comes out Ah, uh, communicated to the world in the uh, would be the resolutions, the statements that we make on particular issues. Um, Jonathan, if you were to speculate, you know, thinking back on the last year, because usually there are things that are in in response to um, culture. Do Do you have any thoughts about things we might discuss?
0: Yeah, so I would see. I, I think I would start with uh, expecting one on the Me Too movement and church too that kind of thing, uh, sexual assault and. Abuse in the church. Uh, I, I think it probably would be not just expected, but wise to have a statement on that. Um, it, it's possible we could see stuff, I think, on uh, surrogacy, in vitro, uh, some of the, the different uh, ethical. Yeah, there was just a, just a cover that.
1: story, a Christianity Day cover story on that um, last month, I think. Yeah. So, could be there, discussion. I,
0: my guess is we'll probably see a resolution of appreciation for Billy Graham.
1: Uh, that I would anticipate that.
0: And also a resolution of appreciation for the city of Dallas for hosting us like we do every year.
1: Well, right. We know, because that's, just, it's you know that's my protocol.
0: thing. I know, I know. But
1: I know it's important protocol. Um, I would anticipate as well. I don't know this for sure. You know, we do a lot of resolutions on similar topics each year, depending on the discussion, but I, I'd be intrigued to see we have, we've had one recently on uh, Planned Parenthood. But the fact that in the recent um, budget that the funding for Planned Parenthood has still remained in it, um, I wonder if we'll see any discussion of that. I, I, don't wonder. Know. It'll be I, interesting. I wonder
0: if we'll see anything on school shootings and, and gun control. I don't know. We've never spoken to guns uh, in the history of the SBC You know, from a resolution standpoint. So, again, we'll be right down the road from a, a church that experienced a tragic shooting, uh, First Baptist right. Sutherland Springs. we got got a—, a story later in the show about that. Um, so I, I know that will, that's that church and that story will probably be somewhat in focus that week. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see pastor Pomeroy on the, the, the DS at some point, but Okay, I, I think those are all, all possibilities. So it's up to Dr. Deucing and his committee.
1: Well, we're looking forward to, uh, having a conversation with him. And meanwhile, Um, April 15th. That's when it opens up. So start prepping uh, your resolution submissions now.
0: All right, Amy, we got some other news from the SBC related to uh, elections. We have Felix Cabrera, who is an Oklahoma pastor, 39 years old. He is going to be nominated uh, for second vice president, Uh, not the second nomination for vice president, but nominated for second vice president.
1: The role of second vice president. So uh, he's a pastor in Oklahoma. He will be uh, nominated by uh, Pastor Ed Litton from Alabama, who is uh, no stranger to Southern Baptists. He planted the church uh, Iglesia Bautista Central in Oklahoma City, um, started from about 12 in worship attendance to more than 200. Um, And he is also co-founder of the Hispanic Baptist Pastors Alliance and founder of the Red 1-8 Church Planting Network, uh, which has helped plant 34 churches over the past five years in North America, Puerto Rico, Latin America, and Spain.
0: That is outstanding.
1: Um, yeah, it really, really is. So there's a, um, a great, David Rich has done a great story, and Baptist Press just kind of covering all the details um, about Felix Cabrera. You know, I, as I, I like to say, um, again, Nominations are open up until 10 minutes before, you know, or around 10 minutes before their time in the order of business. So so anyone can come uh, and nominate. But often we hear about people who really want to know um, about the nominees. And Baptist Press does a fantastic job of presenting um, all the relevant information. And uh, that uh, is is no different this time. So we'll we'll throw that article in the show notes so that people can learn more about him.
0: All right, uh, we have some other like Hispanic related Baptist news over in New Mexico. Twenty three Hispanic Baptist churches are going to participate in the 2018 simultaneous revivals campaign organized by the Baptist Convention of New Mexico's Hispanic Ministry Strategist Ricardo Rivera. So what they've got is twenty three churches. Are gonna have mm-hmm. simultaneous revivals, which brings the name Simultaneous Revivals campaign, uh a- right. and throughout a week. And the, the State Convention is giving them five hundred dollars to help plan the event, to help uh, promote the event, but but they're gonna have this simultaneous revival among twenty-three Hispanic Baptist churches in New Mexico. Uh and it's really cool. I didn't know they did this. They did it last year with twenty-two Um, and then this year they are, they're up to 23. So that's pretty exciting. Pretty neat.
1: Yeah. That's, that, that's really neat. What a great, uh, partnership, um, to kind of reach their communities.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's pretty much going on like this week. So it it was being done, um, this week, you know, everything going on, the revivals are going on this week. So, uh, I have to get a report on, on how that turned out. So I, I love the idea. Hispanic churches coming together in a state and, you know, kind of doing something all together across the state. So, uh, pretty exciting there. Very cool. All right, and finally, we have some news from First Baptist Sutherland Springs. We touched on it just a few minutes ago. They've got a new building plan uh, that was just uh, launched this past week. Uh, Nam is helping them uh, with uh, donations for the project. If people do want to donate to it, and if uh, not, uh, Nam's going to cover the remaining costs of the the project. Uh, it's some great renderings here. Going to really, um. Really, be a nice place, uh, a nice uh, house of worship down there in Sutherland Springs. Uh, after that, uh, everything the community went through last year this is great to see uh, the new 250 seat worship center and uh, other buildings uh, related to that down there in Sutherland
1: Springs. Uh, it's really beautiful, really, really beautiful pictures. So uh, we'll we'll share that um, share that as well. And it's just, I mean, healing is a I mean, I think it's probably a never ending process. So it's been a really, really tough year, uh, I know, for them. And I think it, it, will be, it will be good, you know, for us to all be in Texas. And I know he's going to address the pastor's conference. Um, and many Southern Baptists have been praying for them. This is just a, a new step in this process. And, uh, so these, these renderings are gorgeous.
0: Yes, it's a three million dollar project, but they anticipate that that cost will come down, uh, significantly with donations of materials and services. If you're interested in donating materials and services, you can visit com. Or if you're just interested in your church uh, being one of the donation churches, I think they were asking for, you know, like, um, 1,500 churches to give $1,000 a piece, something like that. And uh, that you can visit nam.net if you want to help out with the, uh, the funding of the First Baptist Church of Sutherland Springs. So very cool thing uh, for churches to do. Very cool. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our news this week. That's going to bring us to our favorite part of the week this week in SBC history. Amy, blow our minds.
1: So you know how I kind of, particularly as we get close to the annual meeting, I love looking back at these old stories about what they did about housing. Um. Yep. So this is not really that. It's I mean this isn't like the train cars. Well, you built it all
0: like up that. and then you go, this is not really that.
1: Well, no, it is that, but I'm just saying it's not it's not like the train cars. Oh, it's not that level. Right. Okay. But I just thought it was kind of a a, a interesting update and just thinking about how it compared. So I went to nineteen sixty nine, uh, where they're kind of getting getting things ready. Um and uh the meeting was coming up in a in new Orleans that year, uh, June 10th through 13th. And, uh, so at this point the, the convention had a housing committee and it looks like what they were having to do was kind of send out a press release to say the housing situation is not yet critical. They were having to kind of tell everybody, don't worry, be happy. Yeah. So they, what they said was that they had placed 7,000 people in 3000 rooms as of March 25th, they were expecting by the 1st of April to for that to increase to 8,000. What they were telling people was, you know, um, the hotel rooms were filling, but, but don't worry. Um, and this is what tickled me. So he said, uh, G. Avery Lee, he was the chairman of the committee. He said, be patient if your confirmation is slow in coming. Because this is a really different time. You remember, um, you know, now we just we go. It's it's this wonderful hotel reservation site. We go through the annual meeting website to it because we get special rates. But in some ways, the the user experience is not that different from using Expedia or you know something else yeah. that maybe a lot of us use. Looking
0: online time. in your app or whatever. Yeah.
1: Right. We're we're very accustomed to doing that. It just happens to be that we're using the the annual meeting one. Well, uh, back then, I mean, you would actually have to send your request in. Then the committee would make the, the housing bureau would make the assignment. Then the hotel would send the confirmation and send a copy to the housing bureau office. So this was a really, really um, complicated process. And so they're having to you're having to mail in your housing form. You don't know where you're going to end up staying. You're waiting to get it back. Um, he was having to tell people, if you get your confirmation from the hotel and they ask for a deposit, send it. If you don't send your deposit, you might not have a room. Um, And uh, then they said, if you, if you have block reservation requests, they wouldn't be held after April one, they'd be returned. Then this was what was interesting. They said, please don't try to switch from one hotel to another. One request is not much of a bother, but a hundred is. So I think what you would have was people, they get their letters and say, well, that's not the hotel I wanted. So then they'd go trying to switch. And then this was my favorite one. He said, try to avoid duplicate reservation requests. One man is listed in four different hotels. Man, is he anxious? That's exactly what the article said. That's hilarious. Um, many have made more than one request. So. As I'm reading this, it's not this like super dramatic story, but I'm just thinking of them getting like piles and piles and piles. This is like seven. They they were placing seven thousand people through these paper forms, and um, I mean, you have to have some people with really good logic skills just trying to like put people in all these different places. They probably put their first choices, you know, first, second, third choices. Um, So props to that housing committee. Back in the day, uh, they didn't have algorithms to do the job for them or anything like that. Not that, you know, we have we have hard, hard workers at the executive committee, but I'm sure they're grateful for technology. Um, Amen to that. So all that to say, um, as we are looking and people are making their plans, um, they were doing the exact same thing in uh, for some people in a very anxious way um he had one room he had four rooms he was ready to go wonder if he was like uh selling them on the street i mean that's what he could have done he could have gone and said that's hey a smart i got a, hotel. I got I got a hotel. room you don't yeah. yeah he could have been scalping those rooms you you never know
0: yeah, dean and sarah would have appreciated that if somebody had one to sell him a couple years ago in columbus when he wound up in the red roof inn he was not happy about that
1: i would forgotten about that yeah wow well i hope he has uh, gotten a better spot in in Dallas, I think he set this sure. year.
0: I think he he set. Yeah, very Had a little very little mix up important. in his uh, his reservation that year.
1: Yeah. That's why it matters, you know, to 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 try to jump on it October 1st, but I looked the other day There still are rooms left and you know, if 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 those rooms price you out, I mean
0: Airbnb that, people, which Airbnb. Can happen,
1: yeah, use Airbnb. Reach out to people that you know in the area. Look at, you know, hotels out closer to uh, the airport or on the outskirts of town. There's great uh, transportation system in Dallas. Don't let that keep you from coming. Um, So just as we are thinking about housing and people are making plans, uh, they were making plans as well. And they were uh, thinking about this preparing uh, this week in SBC history.
0: Yep. If you need to make your plans for Dallas, SBCadvance.com. Uh, go check that out. We've got all the information over there. sbcadvance.com. dot com. That can help you find housing, register as a messenger, all that.
1: Yes. So, still on the fence about coming? You're trying to decide whether or not
0: decide uh, to come. Let me just, just forget. Yeah, let me just yeah. throw throw just my come. two
1: cents in. Come. Plan to be there.
0: Yes. So if you're if you're on the fence, get off the fence and just get to Dallas. That's right. And uh, if you're on the fence and you're listening to this podcast, I mean, like, seriously, you're taking the time out of your your life to listen to us talk about the SBC, you need to be there.
1: You need to be there. That's what I think sometimes. I think we're sitting here, like, pleading with people to come, and then I'm like, these are people who listen to a podcast about the SBC. I bet they're coming.
0: Yeah, I bet they're coming. And, and we're working on, too, uh, folks, we're working on a uh, kind of a podcast meetup at the uh, the CP stage. I'm working on that, too. So, oh, that sounds fun. Uh, to do fun. something. So... Block off your Monday mornings. Come. And, and that's also when I'm going to set up Amy's book signing. So, all I'm right. I'm
1: still not sure about that one.
0: Yes, uh, I'm dead, dead set on that one. So, I'm positive. Okay. All right, Amy, that's going to bring us to our resources of the week. Your resource of the week is.
1: All right. We got a big conference coming up this week in Memphis. Uh, MLK 50, uh, the ERLC is doing that in conjunction with the Gospel Coalition. And so, um, you know, at this point, um,
0: Could be a bunch of people there, thirty five hundred
1: plus. Yeah, man. yeah. Uh, But if you are not planning to attend, uh, check out the live stream. Southeastern Seminary is sponsoring that live stream. Uh, we're we're excited to uh, provide that, and uh, there are going to be a lot of incredible uh, discussions happening. It is totally free. Um, so, uh, so what whatever you have going on toward the end of this week um, throw that in your schedule, have, have some of those conversations going on, uh, while you're going about your day.
0: All right. Well, that'll be, uh, that'll be fun to watch. I'll have that on the stream there. I'm headed on uh Wednesday. I, I can't make it to the, the conference cause I got some stuff going on in here at the office, but, and then on, uh, on Wednesday I'm headed to Southeastern. So looking forward to that. So hit it over your way, Amy, and, uh, going to come to Southeastern Dr. Rainer speaking yeah. on Thursday. So we'll, We'll get to hang out maybe for a little bit uh, and while we're on campus yep. there. So looking forward to uh, yes. our annual trip to lovely Absolutely. downtown Wake Forest, North Carolina.
1: It's a beautiful, beautiful place. But, yeah, if you can get a chance, that's April 3rd and 4th. So that is Tuesday and Wednesday.
0: I shall tune in. All right. My, my resource of the week is a new study from Barna. Uh, some, I guess, disappointing news. Is that is that a way to put it? Uh, the question, uh, have you heard yeah. of the Great Commission? Only 17% knew it and knew what it meant.
1: Right. And I, I think disappointing is the right word, but also enlightening um, because, as uh, Ed Stetzer says, facts are our friends and the data helps us this to This is know not a
0: friendly fact, know. though.
1: It's not a friendly fact, except it tells us where we need to be focusing. So um, they were asked. Uh, so, so this is churchgoers in, um, in America. They're asked if they've heard the term before. Um, and 51% said no, uh, 17% said yes. And it means dot, dot, dot 6% said, I'm not sure. 25% said, yes, I've heard of it, but I can't recall the exact meaning. So only 17% actually could say what the great commission was.
0: All right. I'm not going to make excuses for this because that, that's right. just appallingly bad. Um, mm-hmm. but it does include church goers. So anybody who identifies as going to church, not Baptists, not Protestants, not Evangelicals, not just mainline Protestant across the board. I mean, everything probably if you go to any type of church. So um, churchgoers is a wide swath. So in that context, it doesn't really hurt too badly. Right. Um, If this was a thousand Southern Baptists or a thousand, you know, uh, regular attenders, you know, not just churchgoers. Then it it's even
1: a, more disturbing. Yeah,
0: it would be a lot, yes. it'd be a lot worse, but I, I'm not saying it's not bad because it is, Yeah. but it's not as bad as it could be. I guess It, it there's a degree well, of bad, it,
1: <laughs> right? It's important. It's important to know and understand the pool, um, that you're dealing with. There's a breakdown. That's very interesting in this, that shares sort of the knowledge of the great commission by generation. um, and they they break it down into elders, boomers, Generation X, and millennials. And so you see it actually, uh, the people who have heard of and remember it, um, it, the the folks in the category of elders are the most. Twenty nine percent said yes, and it's it goes down. So only ten percent of millennials said they have heard of and remember, uh, or only ten percent of the people who have heard of are millennials. We had this conversation around. Uh, our, our office, our team was preparing something for uh, the area around here in Raleigh. And, you know, we use the word Great Commission a lot in our materials. And as we were preparing this to go out, it, it kind of occurred to us that we weren't sending this out strictly to, you know, Southern Baptists or to a, a group that might know us really well. We were sending it out to our area. And we realized um, if we put that in the title, a lot of people might not Actually, know what the Great Commission is, and we sort of would need to take uh, the next step and make sure we were explaining uh, what what it was because a lot of terminology that we use, not everyone else does. All
0: right. totally agree, Amy. And uh, kind of, I, I kind of while you were talking there, I kind of scrolled through the rest of the story here. I, I am encouraged by one part of the story: Evangelicals are the most likely church-growing group to state that they have heard the Great Commission. Remember what it is? That's sixty percent. And three out of four can correctly identify it from a list of passages. So that made me feel a little bit better. Yeah, and also shows yeah. that this is a very, very wide group of uh, people that are church goers. Right. basically, church goers means that you went to church within the last six months. Which, in my book, that would not be a church goer. That would be a church misser if you just went to church once in six right. months. That's that's not yeah. a goer. That's a misser.
1: Yeah. So it, it's interesting. You got to re. You know, you got to track the whole thing, methodology, everything. But but definitely an interesting resource.
0: All right. Well, that's uh, going to do it for us this week, Amy. Like you said at the top of the show, been a heavy week for us in Southern Baptist. continue to pray for all those involved uh, with this week's uh, events and news. And uh, we will continue to uh, keep an eye on that and kind of uh, see where we go from here. And uh, once Absolutely. again, we're thankful for uh, Dr. Rummage and his leadership at the Executive Committee. Be in prayer for him as uh, he and the rest of the Executive Committee go through the fallout of uh, this week's news, and uh, we'll see you next week.
1: See you next week!